0: Welcome to the Managing Your Multi-Passionate Life Show. Your host, Carol Dixon Carr, is an educator of and a participant in many eclectic subjects. And she loves it that way. Each week, she'll bring you episodes and stories on how you can navigate those multiple passions while managing your mental, spiritual, physical, and emotional energy in your life as a whole. So here's Carol. Hi, guys. You know... Wow, I I had to insert this topic because what I've been seeing and hearing lately, yeah, it's been a bit disturbing. So the basic Cliff Notes could be boiled down to listen for understanding instead of the need to always be right. But of course, it's much more complex and complicated than that. And I've said this before in other episodes, but it's worth repeating that we all have different life experiences and filters from which we view the world. Compassion and empathy would solve a whole lot of problems right out of the gate. But like I said, all of this is pretty complex because because humans are complex with different experiences. When I think about the main contributors to communication breakdown, there are there are four main culprits that come to mind. There are a lot of culprits, but the four main ones I'll talk about. And I actually did write a, an article about 15 years ago addressing this communication breakdown and how to rebuild it. But a lot has changed in the world since then, but a lot hasn't. And there are so many layers to this. But the four, but four of the things that come to mind first off is your personality. So, you might have a more direct personality and your communication style might reflect that. Or you might have a more gentle exterior in your demeanor, even though inside you've probably got a fire in your belly and you do things behind the scenes. People might perceive you as passive and maybe nothing could be further th- from the truth. And then there are the truly passive people who are—they don't know how to be d- assertive. And speak up for what they want, so that that's really nuanced in probably a whole other episode. But to boil it down to direct versus passive, especially when you add the layer of their respective insecurities or self esteem issues, that can really really feel the fire and the conflict can really escalate if you're not aware of one another's communication styles or even what's going on with them, which I'll talk about in a second. For me, the default is I'm more direct. Even when I'm diplomatic, I'm direct. I don't beat around the bush. I use my words. I say what I mean and I mean what I say. But I do know how to read the room, so to speak. And a more sincerely nurturing tone nurturing tone emerges when that situation calls for it. And I'm reminded a bit f- about a book I read years ago. Gosh, almost a couple of decades ago. Linda Barons wrote it. It was called An Introduction to Interaction Styles. I really like that book. It's only 39 pages long, so you could get through it pretty quickly. She talks about the four different types of interaction styles and their the behind-the-scenes style, chart the course, the get things going, and the in-charge. I'm the last one. I'm the in-charge one. But that's a long talk, so I'm not going to go into those here. But it's definitely worth a worth a read if you want to understand yourself and others better from a communication standpoint. Again, it's called An Introduction to Interaction Styles by Linda Behrens. Okay, number two... Is how we handle stress or really any negative emotion. <laughs> I'd like to say I'm highly evolved under stress, but the truth is not only stress, not only does stress make me stupid and make bad decisions sometimes, it also makes me blunt, loud, and sarcastic in my worst state. I like, I'm better about that m- more often than not these days, but. If I've had enough food and rest, that is. I mean, I can pause before the thoughts become words people can actually hear. This is why I tell my friends, family, and colleagues to bring it to my attention. The minute I crack out of turn. My daughter is masterful at this. <laughs> She's really good about that. Tell Mom, you're yelling. Oh, yeah, sorry. Okay, let me dial that back. My emails actually tend to be more... Much more diplomatic, much more diplomatic after I've been triggered by something that was truly annoying or offensive or whatever. Because I will write that rant to no one. I'll write it to no one. No one will see that. And then I'll write the public response and then hit send on that one. So think about how you communicate when you are stressed out versus when you're feeling calm. Or even if you're feeling depressed because you might interpret things in a different way if you're feeling down and out and just emotionally spent Then, if you're in a perky mood. Be very mindful of that. And you can ask the people in your sphere to bring it to your attention when you respond in a way that's not favorable. So you can consciously work on it and apologize if you're sincerely sorry. I am always sincerely sorry. I'm always mortified when I go back to my old ways. <laughs> but anyway, this is a good segue to number three, which I alluded to earlier. And that's life experience filters or frameworks. We have different We have different frameworks or I should say frames of references when we're going about our daily lives, right? We all have different life experiences, vastly life diff- uh, experiences I've seen just based on some of the things that I see people write. I'm like, how do they think like this? I don't get it. And I'm seeing a lot of that on Facebook right now. There are some people that I still keep in my friends list because I think that maybe they will eventually come around and start listening. And then there are a lot that I have just kind of there's it's like talking to a brick wall. (laughs) So, you know, especially with politics, which I don't even talk about politics on my page at all. I do not. uh, I do talk about COVID stuff, but I respect I respect people's decisions about the vaccine and things like that. Because there are a lot of, um, you know, everybody has to make a decision that feels right for them, uh, and even I was on the fence about the vaccine myself. And I, I did get vaccinated. I I will be quote fully immunized in a week because last week I got my second dose. But I do. I listen to both sides, people. But there are still people who think that COVID is a hoax, and that 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 floors me. That, that floors me. And I'm like, where where is this coming from? And I just try to listen. I don't fight back. I just try and listen. I, I don't get it. I still don't get it. And But then there, I still don't get the people who also say, I'm never leaving my house again, even now. I, mean, I understood a year or so ago when people were like, we didn't know as much about it. And we didn't have the PPE or this, the plexiglass or any of these things. But I really do want to support the economy. I wanted to, even when we were in lockdown with my masks and PPE. That's my come from. That's my my life experience. I believe that, you know, we need we need an economy to run, but we also need to stay healthy. So I think you can have a both and. But there are a lot of people who believe it's one or the other, and I'm really just still trying to listen to what everybody has to say. And their come from. I really their come from. I put in quotes or their frame of reference. But. I still will do what I believe is best for me and my family, as long as you're, and my attitude is if you're not hurting anybody else. Then I'm not going to get on a soapbox about it. And of course, obviously, well, perhaps it's not obvious to everyone, but obvious to me and folks who look like me. Race relations—if you've got that filter—and. And, um, you might, especially if you think that we don't have a race problem here, then my guess is that you've never really ventured outside your own bubble. You may not have checked out different cultures. So your frame of reference is definitely going to be different from mine if you only know like one homogenous set of folks. Um, and I believe that variety is the spice of life. That's the tagline I do for my business. <laughs> like... Multi-passionate girl. Of course, I'm gonna want that. You know, I wanna see. I'm always curious about other cultures. I'm pretty clueless about plenty of them still. But it, my come from is learn, learn, learn. And my frame, and my frame of reference will definitely be different from those who might have a poverty frame of reference. I've never been broke to the point of not being able to eat. I've always been able to eat. <laughs> I've always been able to eat. I've always had a roof over my head. And my, my mom raised me after the divorce uh, since I was 10. My, my sister was five at the time. She never let us go hungry and she always overcompensated us for, you know, what my dad did not provide after they divorced. And even now that, you know, we're in a much better income bracket, I don't take that. I, I've never been independently wealthy, but I have never taken for granted the fact that I've never known what it was like to ever be hungry. I've been hangry, but knew that I would have access to food soon. I don't know anything about not knowing what my next bite of food would be or where I can lay my head. My heart goes out to those, but I don't know that experience. I can only just have empathy and donate and do things that I feel that I can do. Some people will let homeless people crash at their house. I am not that person, but... God bless those who will let people do that. I would rather, (laughs) I'd rather buy food for the person, give them money, give them water, but uh, my personal space, I almost prefer friends get a hotel if they come into town to visit me. So that's my quirky, neurotic way of being. But so, like I say, we do what we can when we are fighting for social justice. Not everybody's a protest personality, so I'm not going to judge people who don't want to get out there and do a peaceful protest. I... I understand when people get heated in their uh, ways of being. I don't agree with it, but I, I get it. And so that's like the whole empathy situation. But yeah, I would say I have led a pretty privileged life, even if I've experienced racism since the beginning. That's not fiction. I promise you that. But I still try to evaluate people as individuals, and I would really like to encourage everybody else to do the same. So when somebody says something that I think is problematic rather than call them out publicly and embarrass them, I will usually just take them aside if it's face-to-face or I haven't had a face-to-face situation like that in a while because COVID, but I will take them aside or private message them and I'll preface it like, you know, this is probably not your intent. But, and it's usually somebody who says, I don't see color. I'm like, you know, my knee jerk response was like, well, why the heck not? That's part of who I am. But what I usually say is like, you know what? We want to be recognized for what we are, for good, you know, because there's good and bad in everybody. Race, size, shape, gender, doesn't matter. You can't really paint a broad brush on any group of people. That's not fair. But yeah, I will just take them and say, hey, this is why what you said could be perceived as problematic, even if it wasn't their intent. I have been called in, you know, my daughter will tell, you know, the pronouns, because I will, I will mess that up. I, and I will apologize immediately, because I, I am learning as well. I did not understand the pronoun situation. And then a lot of people are signing their, you know, signing their Zoom and their emails, she, her, his, or they, theirs. And I'm learning that. So, And even when I was a whole lot younger and didn't understand the whole, you know, home, you know, so I probably had homophobic tendencies that I didn't realize I had, even though I would never bully anybody. And if I saw somebody getting bullied for being gay, I would get in their faces. But then I would still say ignorant stuff. Not anymore, because people have called me in. So that's what I'm saying. So I'm a work in progress, always, always, always. (sighs) Okay, on a lighter note, aside from the obvious issues of COVID politics, socioeconomic status, gender identity, race relations, all that stuff, how about we talk about something a little more relevant, because this is the multi-passionate podcast. So let's talk about uh, the idea of how your brain processes the kind of tasks that you do, and how you tie it into how you work and how you get things done, because as Barbara Sher deems it, I married a diver, and I'm a scanner. (laughs) So for those of you who don't know what that is, if you're like a serious, multi-passionate person, you probably don't need that explanation again, but if you're, you know, somebody who loves a multi-passionate person, let me tell you what that is. So a diver is somebody who's really super focused, super focused, and they know exactly what they want. Like for example, my husband—he chose a major, he stuck with it, and he has soared in that same career for the last twenty six ish years. I have always admired that. I've actually, in in the same breath, think it's super cool, and in this and the other breath, is like oh, I'm a little jealous, partially because I think society prefers that, admires it. They they really do seem to call people like us dilettantes, us multi-passionate folks. I am not. I am a responsible human who devotes to all of my passions. So yeah, I might sound like I have a bit of a perse- persecution complex. Maybe I do. I don't know. But I do have more of a scanner personality, as Barbara Sher calls it. Multiple interests, many of which don't have anything to do with each other. My multi-passionate personality inspired this podcast, as you know. So... My multi-passionate filter is confusing for many people, especially some of the mentors I'd hired pre-2016 and I didn't trust my judgment and followed what they said to do and I was miserable and I lost a lot of money. But finding the coaches 2016 forward and mentors, yeah, they embraced who I was, listened to who I was. And communicating with them and vice versa, that flowed so much better than me always second-guessing myself as I'm paying people. As a quirky empath, gauging the filter of people, you know, where they're coming from, it's not hard to discern for me. I have a pretty good spidey sense about people anyway. So I'm usually very aware of other people's filters as they get to talking and then I just might communication style accordingly so the fourth culprit which is tied to the previous is hearing what you want to hear versus what the person actually the other person actually said so you know you probably have said or have had said to you don't put words in my mouth <laughs> I know I've said it plenty of times my daughter has said it plenty of times to me especially in the teenagers years. That's usually the knee-jerk response to that one. So these are all the culprits I've been talking about. But how do we overcome all of this? How do we flip the script? Since communication is 93% nonverbal, you definitely have to read the room virtually or in real life have those people turn those cameras on in the Zoom room. Be mindful of those nonverbal cues. Also, diplomacy and tone, those are kissing cousins. As mentioned earlier, I do a lot better online because I can edit when I write something that's initially really abrasive. I can be really abrasive in my initial rants that nobody sees or hears. But then I won't click enter. I can always edit it, whether it's a comment on a post or an email that really triggered me. The rant will be for your eyes only and maybe your spouses or your friends or, you know, people you trust. Then you go back and edit it. But when you're face to face, if you're anything like me, you really have to consciously work on this. If you're anything like me, because like I said, I have a really direct personality. And if I'm triggered, it can be awful if I'm tired. Remember, if I haven't had sleep or, re- or food, I might regress. It's not impressive at all. Uh, and like you heard from the earlier podcast, The Wrath of Carol was real, and, you know, in the 90s and earlier. it was, And there were reasons behind that. You know, my filters, my frames of reference, they were all there. And I've done a lot of work on myself since then. And yet and still, I am a work in progress until the day I die. Last but not least, I would just say, try not to jump to conclusions. Yeah, all these things that I'm saying don't do, I've done them at some point and I'm working on it, and have overcome some and then fall off the wagon and then get back on. But yeah, try not to jump to conclusions, and that plays to the point of hearing what you want to hear, you know, based on the biases of what you think think you heard, it's often... Actually, it's always better to ask for clarification, especially if you if somebody pushed a button, definitely ask for clarification before you react, you want to respond. Reflect back what you believe you heard and ask if that's correct because it might not be. And then then they can correct you if you are wrong, and they can do so without feeling defensive. And as I mentioned at the beginning, come from a place of compassion, empathy, and understanding. And if, and you know what, be mindful if you find yourself feeling defensive as you're coming back. I, I have to check myself all the time. And it just depends on the day how well I do. <laughs> I have to journal about it. Like I said, I've been guilty of all of this, especially when triggered. So all y'all just let me know. I will... Like I said earlier, I'll be utterly mortified and remorseful that I, black, that I backslid, but I will apologize. I will not make excuses for my behavior. I might give you an explanation for why I did it, but I will never make excuses for bad behavior because that's not who I am. And that's, you know what I didn't talk about? How we communicate with ourselves. Self-talk. Self-compassion. I need more of that. I've been beating myself up a lot lately about various and sundry things. And I'm just like, girl, you would never talk to anybody else the way you've been talking to yourself lately. Girl, you need to do some more journaling. Start writing about all the awesome things that you have done and have continued to do. Stop being so hard on yourself. So that self-talk and that self-compassion talking to myself right now but maybe some of you guys can also relate that when you know there's like a the the week is a poop storm and you're like wow what is happening here and some of these things you can't control and then you start second guessing again like when you were younger and your inner child and i'm like wow i'll be 54 in less than a month Come on! So, be very mindful of that whole self-talk and self-compassion. I'm always about the self-care, but sometimes I will slip and say some things to myself I would never say to anybody else. Even though I generally am a confident person, sometimes that can get shaken at times. We are all human. So... I will go and journal about the awesome things I've done and will continue to do so I can get out. I've been in a funk for a month and I, movement helps that. Journaling helps that, but I can't shake it. And I think it's just the empathy of what's going on in the world and feeling a little helpless about what I can do to to make it better. But I know that it's a lot of it is just my own perception and I'm working through it. So that's pretty much all I have. Continue to listen to each other. I would love to hear your thoughts about all of this, especially in the current climate. Let's be nice to each other. I hope we can continue this com- this conversation in the Facebook group, which I will link in the show notes. I don't think I've done that in a while. And I'm not sure who I'm going to be interviewing next. So that will be a surprise to all of us. <laughs> you never know, it might be another solo. So we'll just see. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to Managing Your Multi-Passionate Life with Carol Dixon Carr. If you'd like to continue the conversation on these topics, head on over to the free Managing Your Multipassionate Life Facebook group. You can find the link in the show notes along with other resources. And if any of Carol's words resonate with you, feel free to subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. Until next time...